Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2013 Houston, Texas Gospel Truth Rally. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Let's turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 7. And tonight I want to share something with you that's really simple, but it's profound. This is one of the most important things that I feel God has shown me about receiving from the Lord, about praying and receiving a need meant. And uh, this is something I've been teaching on for about 30 something years. I have seen a lot of miracles happen and I think that there's a lot of people that struggle with understanding these things. And so I think that this will be a real blessing to you. In Matthew chapter seven, let me take these verses in verse seven and eight. It's in verse seven, it says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Did you know these verses are just really simple? You have to have somebody to help you to misunderstand this. It just says, ask and you receive. Seek and you find. Knock and it's opened unto you. But did you know that very few people really believe this as it's written because that doesn't match our experience? I can guarantee you every person in here at some time or another has asked God for something, sought for something, knocked trying to get something to happen, and you haven't seen results. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if I asked you to raise your hand, I'd be surprised if there was anybody in here who's ever asked, sought for something, and, and uh, didn't see it come to pass. That is a common experience. And the sad fact is most of us interpret the Word of God by our experience instead of interpreting our experience by the Word of God. There's a big difference there. The scripture says in Romans chapter three, verse four, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. You, if you are gonna really succeed in the things of God, you've got to get to where God's word is the final authority. You believe what God's word says. And if your experience doesn't match up with what you believe God's word says, it's not the word that's wrong, it's your experience. There's something that we're missing on our part and what we do is humble ourselves and ask God to show us the things that we don't understand. But this just says, if you ask, you receive. Did you know religion came along? I was raised in a denomination that said, well, sometimes you ask and God says no. That's not what this says. Matter of fact, I could turn over to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, and over there it says, this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, we know that He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then whatsoever we ask, we have the petitions that we've desired of Him. Man, that's not saying that sometimes he says no. You could put that together with 2 Corinthians chapter 1 where it says all of the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. God doesn't tell you no. The only, the only stipulation on this, you have to ask for things according to his will. Now this doesn't mean, here's another thing that religion has done. Religion comes along and says, but you have to pray and say, Lord, if it be thy will. Jesus didn't pray that. That is not a scriptural prayer, is to say, Lord, if it be your will, do this. What Jesus prayed on the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't want to become sin and have to go through this. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. There's a big difference between saying that and if it be your will. What he was doing was submitting his will and saying, Father, not my will, but your... He yielded himself to God. That was a prayer of obedience and submission, not a prayer where you just throw it up and say, well, if it be your will. You know, I heard about a guy that the way he received offerings was he stood there with a bucket in his hand that had all of the money in it. And uh, the way he gave his tithes, he drew a circle around him and he just took all this money and he threw it up in the air and he says, God, if you want any, take it. Everything that falls back to the ground is mine. <laughs> and that's the way some people's prayers are. God, they just throw a prayer up to God and if it drops back down and if nothing happens, well, God must have said no. It must not have been God's will. God's word tells us what his will is. Like 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things 
that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That is God's will. It's God's will to heal everyone. But see, religion has come along and said, no, if it be thy will, that's not true. Religion has come along and says, God puts things on you to hurt you and to break you and to mold you and to do all of this. That is not true. Religion has come along and said, well, God is sovereign. Nothing can happen to you, but what it's God's will for you to suffer and go through this. That is not true. That is not what the word of God teaches. And so anyway, most people read this, ask and it shall be given unto you, but then they filter it through all of these things. And they say, it can't mean that because I've asked and I didn't receive. And so we start grasping at straws about why it happens. Look at the very next verse in verse eight. This is Matthew chapter seven, verse eight. For everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be open. This makes it very clear that everyone that asks receives. Everyone that seeks finds. Everyone that knocks, it's open. So which is it? Is it what the Bible says or is it what our experience says? Which is it? You know, actually it's both. And this is what I'm going to share with you tonight. If you could understand this, this will be a new wrinkle in most of your brains. This will be a brand new thought. And this will really, really help you. Look over here in Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. Let me read this verse. Mark 11:24 says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. This says that you have to believe that you receive when you pray, not when you see it. You have to believe you receive when you pray and then you shall, future tense, have them. A lot of people can't understand this. They say, but let's say, for instance, you're praying for a financial need to be met. And it says you have to believe that you receive when you pray. And so you pray and say, God, I need money. I need something done. And you have to believe that you have it right now. But then you open up your wallet and you don't have it. The creditor's still calling you. You still don't have it. How can you believe that you've got it when you don't have it? And people come up with things and say, well, this is what faith is. Faith is saying that you have something when you really don't have it. And if you'll just say it long enough, then it'll become true. But it's not true. They think that faith is saying something is real when it's really not real. That's not true. You have to believe that you receive when you pray and yet you don't see it yet. How do you deal with this? Well, to me, the answer, and this is, a, this is gonna be a very quick explanation of this. You'll have to take this and go study it if you really get a, the full benefit of this. But the answer is that there is not only just this physical world that you can see, there's also a spiritual world. There are spiritual beings in this room right now. And some of you may doubt that because you can't see it. But you know what, there, there are television signals in this room right now. There's radio signals in this room. And if a person says, well, I don't see them, I don't hear them, that doesn't mean they aren't here. It just means you aren't real smart. <laughs> it just means that you think that if you can't perceive it with your little peanut brain, it doesn't exist. There's all kinds of things that exist that you can't perceive with your senses. All you'd have to do to prove that there's television signals in here is take a television set, plug it in, turn it on, tune it in, and I guarantee you when that set starts broadcasting, a signal is not when the signal comes. The signal is here. There are signals. There's things in here that you can't see or perceive. Likewise, there is a spiritual world out there, and also there is a spiritual you on the inside that most people can't perceive because they don't feel it. Jesus said that which is spirit is spirit and that which is flesh is flesh. That was just his way of saying spirit is spirit. It's in a spirit realm. Flesh is flesh. It's in a flesh realm. There isn't any direct connection between the two. You can't see the spiritual realm with your physical eyes. You can't hear the spiritual realm with your physical ears, but it does exist. The Bible is just replete with all kinds of proof of this. 
And so here's the quick answer, that every time you pray, if you ask, you receive. But God is a spirit. John 4, 24, God moves in the spirit world. Not only out there, but inside of you. A Christian receives everything from his spirit out. It doesn't come from the outside in. It comes from the inside out. When you got born again, you are now full of God. You've got the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. You know all things, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. You've been renewed in knowledge after the image of him that creates you, Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, and on and on it goes. Most Christians say, oh God, I just don't know the answer, and they start asking God to give them wisdom. But the truth is you've got the mind of Christ. It's in your spirit, right here in your belly. The Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the spirit, which they that believed upon him would receive. So the Bible says that your spirit's in your belly. Some of us look like we got more of the spirit than others, but it's not true, amen. But anyway, in your spirit, you do have the mind of Christ. You know all things. And most people think, well, I don't know all things. I spent an hour looking for my glasses and they were on top of my head. I, I lost my car keys. I can't pass a test or, or whatever. And they think, I don't know all things. No, you do know all things. Not up here in your peanut brain, but down here in your spirit, you have the mind of Christ. This is one of the reasons, I'm not going to preach on this tonight, but this is one of the reasons speaking in tongues is so important because the Bible says when you speak in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 14 your spirit prays. Your spirit is the part that's praying, the part that has the mind of Christ. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 13 says, when your spirit prays, pray also that you interpret. And all you got to do is when you don't know what to do is start speaking in tongues and say, God, show me this wisdom that I'm speaking out of my mouth. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse two says, you're speaking the hidden wisdom of God. Just pray that you interpret and God will show you the answer. It's, Speaking in tongues is like sticking a bucket down in a well and drawing that out. You've got the mind of Christ on the inside of you. You don't have to go through this life like a blind person just falling off a cliff, tripping over things, bumping into things. It says that the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. For uh, John chapter 16, verse 13. We don't have to go through life just wondering what's going to happen. We've got wisdom on the inside of us. But see, most people don't acknowledge this spiritual realm. They just go by what they can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. They go by the information that they put in their little brain up here. But the truth is that in your spirit, you've got everything. And when you ask for something, God gives it to you. God has never failed to answer a single person's prayer, but it comes through your spirit. And then whether it gets out into your physical body, into the physical realm is not dependent on whether God gave it or not. It's dependent on whether or not you can believe and transform it into physical, tangible reality. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It didn't say it's the evidence of things that don't exist. They do exist. They're spiritual realities. It's like television signals. They're already here, but it's not doing us any good until you can transform it into sight and sound. Likewise, God has already done everything in your spirit. You've already got healing. You've already got anointing. You've got power. You've got wisdom. You've got the mind of Christ. You've got all of these things, but you've got to have a receiver that changes it into something tangible. And that's what faith is. Faith gives substance to things that are hoped for and evidence to things that can't be seen. Here's another way of saying it. It's like, here's a spiritual world over here that's invisible. Here's the visible physical world over here. And faith is a bridge between those two. If you want the things that are true in the spiritual realm and what God is doing, you've got to have this bridge, this pathway so that these things that are not seen can become seen. But it's, your faith doesn't make 
God do something. Your faith just allows what God has already done the moment you prayed to become tangible. I don't know if that helps you, but that's awesome. Let me illustrate this to you out of some scriptures here, and I think this will help you. Look over in Daniel chapter 9, and let me show you. This, this worked in Daniel's life. In Daniel chapter 9, he was part of the Israelites that were led into captivity in Babylon. And Jeremiah had given a prophecy that there would only be 70 years of captivity. And they were nearing that time and it didn't look like things were going to work out. And so Daniel began to pray and sought God for a revelation of what Daniel prophesied over there. I mean, excuse me, what uh, Jeremiah prophesied. So in Daniel chapter 9, he begins to start uh, listing a prayer that he prayed and he prayed all the way down through verse 19. I'm not going to take time to read the whole prayer, but he began to repent of his sins saying we deserve everything we've got. But he was asking about God, how about this prophecy that the Jews will return back to their land? And he was asking God for revelation. And so here's the end of his prayer in Daniel chapter nine and in verse 19, he says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, Hearken and do, defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. And then in verse 20, it says, And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and preparing my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. But look back in verse 20 here. It says, while I was speaking and praying and confessing all of these things. So if you read this, we didn't take time to read it, but it only takes like three or four minutes or something like that for Daniel to pray this prayer. And it says, while he was still praying, Gabriel, this is the same Gabriel that showed up and announced the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus. And this angel, Gabriel, showed up and gave him a supernatural revelation of the things he was praying about. That's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. Would to God that every time we prayed, while we were still praying, your body got healed. Your money showed up in the bank account, whatever. It would be wonderful. You know, if, mo if every time we prayed, while we were still praying, we could physically see the answer of the things we prayed for, most of us would be okay. If you come up here for prayer and I lay hands on you and if by the time you hit the floor, you're healed, most of you would be all right with that. The problem is that when you pray for something and then you don't see anything different, you still feel the same, all of the natural circumstances are still the same, most people cave the moment they can't see what they have believed for and they think that God did nothing because again, they don't understand that God is a spirit. He moves in the spirit realm and things happen in the spirit realm. And if they can't see any tangibility, they think God has done nothing. This is proof of it because I can't see it. And it actually doesn't prove anything except that you aren't aware of the spiritual realm and you don't understand that God moves in the spiritual realm. But while Daniel was praying, he got his answer. Three minutes into his prayer, he got his answer. Now look down in the 10th chapter. Here's the same guy, and I like to use Daniel as an example. Because, you know, if I start telling you about how God answered my prayers and things, some people say, well, this is you. God does different things for you. He'll answer your prayers. He doesn't answer my prayers. Sometimes people think that ministers somehow or another have a hotline to God and God answers their prayers differently. Here's the same guy praying. And he got a three-minute manifestation in Daniel chapter 9. In chapter 10, he, if anything, he should have been even stronger in faith. He should have been more encouraged. He should have gotten better results. And this time in Daniel chapter 10, he fasted. So he added to just prayer 
He fasted, and he fasted for 21 days, three full weeks. And it was after 21 days of fasting and prayer that finally another messenger showed up and began to give him his answer. So here in Daniel chapter 10, look at this. It says um, in Daniel chapter 10, and let's start reading with uh, verse 10. It says, And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Now let me just ask you a question before we read the rest of this. Why do you think God answered Daniel's prayer in three minutes in the ninth chapter and it took three weeks in the 10th chapter? Or let me ask you this. Why has God answered some of your prayers just instantly while you're still praying? In other prayers, you pray and pray and pray and it seems like it takes forever. Have you ever asked that kind of a question? Did you know that the question is invalid? You're asking the wrong question because you don't believe that you received when you pray. You don't believe you receive until you got the physical manifestation. That's wrong. Look at this right here. After he said this, go down to verse 12. It says, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. This messenger said from the first day that you prayed, God gave an answer. God gave the commandment, and I am come. It took 21 days before it became a visible, physical manifestation, but God answered instantly. If he asked, he received. If he sought, he found. If he knocked, it was open unto him. Look back in the ninth chapter. I intentionally skipped this because I, didn't, I wanted to make my point. But look what he, Gabriel said to him in the ninth chapter. In verse 23, he says, At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. So Gabriel told Daniel, At the beginning of your prayer, at the very first word, God sent me. Now, here's some things I'm going to have to tear down and change some thinking because we've got all of these religious concepts that we hold dear and we just believe that it's all true and yet it's not necessarily scriptural. Did you know most people believe that if God wants to do something, that there are no limitations on him. There is no such thing as time and space and distance. If God, there's no limits. God can do anything. People will say that he's not bound by time and you know, there may be some partial truth to this, but in this verse right here, in this instance, God gave a command to Gabriel and it took Gabriel three to four minutes to show up. And you can just whitewash that any way you want to, but God commanded one of his angels to do something and it took three or four minutes before it manifested. And it doesn't explain why. I don't know why. I mean, it's possible that Gabriel was on the other side of the universe. And it took him three minutes to cover a hundred million light years. I don't know. Maybe he had to pack a toothbrush. I don't know what he was doing. But my point is, God gave a command and the moment God did something, it didn't show up. There is, or there, let me say, there can be a lapse between when God moves and answer your prayer and when you see a physical manifestation. Here's a scriptural example. And then in the 10th chapter, the messenger said, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, and since Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I don't believe he's the variable, then I believe it was just like in the ninth chapter from the first day and even the first words of his prayer. God was the same in both instances. And yet in one instance, he got a three-minute manifestation. In the next instance, he got a three-week manifestation. 
not because God was the variable. Now this is important because again, we only look at things in the natural realm. If you pray and if you don't see the person healed, if you don't see your finances meant, then most people think, well, I'm just trying to be real. I'm just being honest. I'm telling you, God didn't do anything. I still hurt. I still have the same financial needs. God didn't do anything. All you're being, uh, forgive me for being brutal and honest, but all you're being is carnal. The word carnal, most people think that's talking about just terrible, sinful, but the word carnal means of the flesh. It means dominated by flesh, what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. A carnal person is a person that doesn't believe anything exists beyond what they can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. That's carnal. The word carnal literally means flesh, as stripped of skin is what the word means. Sarks, or excuse me, that's... Um, that's a different one. That's soul. Uh, carnal is carne, is the Greek word for it. And it's the word that we use when we say chili con carne. You know what you're talking about? Chick, chili with meat. The word meat comes from carne. It means meat. It means flesh. When you say somebody's carnally minded, you're calling them a meathead. That's <laughs> what you're saying. So the word carnal just means that you are controlled and dominated and limited to what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. Your five senses, you're carnal. And the sad thing is most of us only live in the carnal realm. So if you pray for something and don't see it right then, then we say, well, God hasn't done it. And then we come up with things. I'm waiting on God. The truth is, You've got to believe you receive when you pray, not when you see it. You've got to believe you receive when you pray. How can you do that? By quit being carnal and recognize that there is a spiritual realm and there's a spiritual you. And God gave you this power and you have your answer. God moves instantly. God has never failed to answer a single person's prayer. But the problem is, God gives it to us in the spirit and by faith we have to produce substance, reality and most of us just can't walk by faith. We go and if you can't see it, then we think it didn't happen. That's carnal. I'm telling you that there is a spiritual world and things happen in the spiritual realm that you can't see, taste, hear, smell or feel. How do you know what's going on in the spiritual realm? You don't sit in the lotus position and go om. You could get into some spiritual stuff that way, but it's not God's spiritual realm. How do you know what's going on in the spiritual realm? Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, the end of that verse says that the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's word tells us what is happening in the spiritual realm. It will show you what's going on. And right here is a great example because see, Daniel prayed a prayer in the ninth chapter. The messenger came and manifested nearly instantly. In the 10th chapter, he prayed again. This time should have had more faith. This time he added fasting to his prayer and it took 21 days. But the variable wasn't God. God answered the prayer in the ninth chapter and the 10th chapter identically. God didn't fluctuate. It's not God who waited three weeks. God moved. So what was the problem? Look at this right here in the 10th chapter. And in verse 13, it says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and 20 days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me and I remained there with the kings of Persia. And now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days for yet the vision is for many days, etc." This, king, this prince of kingdom of Persia is not really talking about the physical person. It's talking about the demonic power that operated behind him. This same thing was done in Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28 where it was talking about Lucifer, but it referred to him as the king of, uh, the king of uh, Babylon and the prince of Persia. I think, or anyway, I may have gotten that wrong, but it ascribes... The, him to these people and yet it says in Isaiah chapter 14 I believe it's verse 12 where it says thou art Lucifer 
it makes it very clear he wasn't talking about the physical person, but the demonic power that was working behind him. So when he talks here about the prince of the kingdom of Persia, this is talking about a spiritual power. In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And there are demonic powers that rule and do things through people. And so when it says, what it tells us what the problem was, it says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So it wasn't God that was the variable. God didn't answer one prayer instantly and then wait three weeks to answer the other prayer. God answered both prayers instantly but there was demonic opposition in the 10th chapter that didn't exist in the 9th chapter. I'll tell you, this is simple, but this is profound, and it's amazing how people don't understand this. They just think that there's no such thing as time or space or limits. God, if God wanted something done, boom, it'd be done. That is not true. The Lord is almighty. He has all power and all authority but he has limited his own power and authority to you. He gave you a choice and he will not violate your free will. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That means that it's wrong to say God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, period. That's not a true statement. He has limited his movement to the power that works in you. He does not force his will upon you. He provides things, he moves, but you have to reach over and take things by faith out of the spiritual realm and bring them into the physical realm. It's not God who doesn't heal people. God answers every prayer. He releases his power. It's not God who doesn't move. It's people that don't reach over and appropriate it and bring it into the physical realm by faith. Man, I could say a million things right here, but you know what? Most people come to the Lord as, oh God, we have nothing, we are nothing, we can do nothing. The doctor says we're gonna die and you just present yourself as totally powerless, helpless, and cry out, oh God, move. That's an absolute insult to God because he gave you power over all sickness, over all disease, over all demons to cast them out. Matthew chapter 10 Mark chapter 9. He told you to go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. He didn't tell you to ask God to do it. He told you to do it. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, don't talk to God about your mountain. Talk to your mountain about God. Don't tell God that you're sick and, oh God, would you please heal me? But instead, believe that God has moved and in the spirit realm, you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead and you speak to the sickness. You command the devil to leave. In Acts chapter 3, it says that they went into the temple and they, they reached out and said, such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They never even asked God to heal the man. They didn't even pray. They'd be kicked out of nearly every church in Houston as you arrogant thing, you're saying that you're the source. No, I'm not the source. But you know what? That source lives on the inside of me and it's at my command. And I am the one that has to take the authority and release it. And they reached down and grabbed the man by the hand and lifted him up. They believed that they had things that they couldn't see. You couldn't prove it. I don't believe that they had tingling in their hands. It wasn't a feeling. It was faith. They believed it because Jesus told them and they trusted it and they acted on it. They didn't even ask God to heal. Today, we come to God and we say, God, I am nothing. I have nothing. I can do nothing. You've already killed your faith right there. You in yourself are nothing, but you aren't in yourself. You're in Christ. 
and you need to take your position and you need to stand up and say that this sickness is nothing compared to the power that lives on the inside of me. God answered my prayer the very first time I prayed and now I command it to come out of this spirit realm and manifest itself in my body and you take control. But you know what? Satan will try and hinder it. It was Satan that made the difference, not God. This is huge. I bet you there's people right here in this auditorium because I've dealt with a lot of people. There's people sitting right here that you prayed for something, you prayed for someone and they died and you thought if God wanted to, he could have healed this person and you've been bitter and you have lost your faith and felt like God let you down. And the truth is that God never let you down. God answered your prayer. God released his power. But there's just lots of reasons why we, we go by what we see and we stop it from manifesting itself in the physical realm because we don't take our authority and power. We're just sitting here passively waiting on God to answer, not understanding our position. See, in this instance, Satan is the one who hindered. Now, here's another thing that we need to know. Most people believe that Satan is 100% faithful. Satan will never miss it. There's people that aren't sure God's going to answer their prayer, but they are absolutely certain that if they mess up, the devil is going to eat their lunch and pop the bag. You know that Satan is faithful. You know that Satan will take advantage of you, but you aren't sure about God. I'm telling you, the devil is not faithful. The devil misses it all times. How come he only hindered Daniel's prayer in the 10th chapter and missed it in the 9th chapter? Well, the scripture doesn't say, but you know, I could just imagine that he didn't realize who Daniel was in the 9th chapter. <laughs> he didn't know that, you know, the devil's shorthanded. Some of you don't understand this either. Everybody believes that the devil talks to them personally. They say, the devil told me this and the devil told me that. You know, there's only one devil. He is not omnipresent. He, de he is not everywhere. And we now have 7 billion people on the planet. If everybody's got a personal devil, if there is a personal demon assigned to every person, then there was either a lot of demons on the earth back during uh, Adam and Eve's time. That would be three and a half billion demons per person. Or if there was fewer demons back then, as far as I know, demons don't procreate and have baby demons. There's nothing in the word that teaches that. And so if there were less demons back in Adam and Eve's time, then that means that there's a shortage of demons today. Contrary to what you think, the devil does not talk to you every day and the devil doesn't do things. With most people, he just teaches you how to think and then he can go on vacation because you are doing a bang-up job of destroying your own life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This thing about just thinking that the devil is just everywhere and he always is on top of everything, Satan blows it. Anybody who fights against God's not real smart. The devil just does some stupid things. He blows it. He's shorthanded. He doesn't always get things right. It's possible that he just let Daniel's prayer squeak by in the ninth chapter, not knowing what was going on. But if you were to read all of that ninth chapter, it gave a prophecy about the exact time that the Messiah would come. And it was one of the major prophecies of the Old Testament in the latter part of the ninth chapter. It determined the exact time that Jesus would be born on the earth. And once the devil saw how much damage was done by this man praying a prayer, I believe he assigned the prince of Persia to Daniel to stop him from getting any more manifestation. Sometimes when things don't work as well as they've worked before, it's not because you have failed and you're somehow or another weaker. It may be because the devil now realizes you're a threat and he's assigned some demonic thing to you and it could actually be a backhanded compliment. The devil just misses it sometimes. He is not omnipresent. He doesn't always do things. I don't know exactly why he didn't fight the ninth chapter, but in the ninth chapter, a prayer just got by. This happens to us. There may be some of you that have prayed a prayer and it seems like it was just so easy. You just thought it and boom, 
here's your answer. And then other times you fast, you pray, you do everything you can and you still didn't see an answer and you get to wondering, God, what's the matter? Don't you love me anymore? I'm trying to tell you God is always faithful. God has never failed to answer a single prayer of yours. God has released his power every time you've asked, every time you've sought, every time you've knocked. God is faithful, but God is a spirit. He moves in the spirit realm and there's all kinds of things going on. Sometimes there is a period of time in between when God moves and when something happens. Sometimes there are demonic things involved. Some of our prayers involve people. You know, you can't take control of people. There's a lot of people that think you can. I saw a, a tape one time that says seven ways to change your mate. And I listened to it. And did you know what? That is witchcraft. There isn't any scriptures that talk about how to change your mate. Now, there are scriptures that talk about you can sanctify your mate through your belief. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14, and there's other things. But you cannot take control. It's the devil that manipulates people against their will. God doesn't force people to do things. He woos people. He draws them. He, he ministers to them. But God and the devil have totally different approaches on this. It's witchcraft when you tell somebody that you're going to make them do this. You're going to pray and you're going to make this person do something. I don't do that kind of stuff. That's witchcraft. And so anyway, why did I get off on that? That was a good reason. Where was I, Cody? You're my... <laughs> I'll make it his fault. Anyway, the devil just blows it sometimes. You can't... Uh, I forgot exactly where I was going with that. Well, because of the devil. Oh, I was talking about with people. People sometimes are involved in your prayer. And if a person is involved, you can't just take control and make that person do what you want them to. God will deal with them. But that person has a free will. And God will protect their free will all the way to hell. He will not force a person to do what you want them to. For instance, here's an example. There's a friend of mine, Bob Flasher. I, you know, he lives in the Houston area. You aren't here, are you, Bob? Anyway, uh, Bob Flasher used to live up in Colorado and he heard me speak on this 35 years ago. I was talking about this and his situation was he had a house that he had been trying to sell for two years and he wanted to sell it by owner because he would get more money out of it and so he had had it on the market for two years, had a sign out in the front yard for sale by owner and anyway, he had moved and he now had another house and he was making double payments and it was just a burden on him. And he had prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God to sell that house a hundred times and hadn't sold it. And he was just really discouraged. And he heard me teaching on this. And here's the application that God made to him. He said, Bob, the very first day you put that sign in the yard and prayed, I spoke and I moved. But Satan has been hindering you through other people. At that time, it was a down market and it was hard to sell homes. And he says, Satan is hindering you through somebody else. And so anyway, he took what I said and he began to fast and pray. And for two days, he fasted and prayed and spoke in tongues because he didn't know how Satan was doing it. He didn't know who it was that God had spoken to about buying his house. And so he just prayed in tongues and asked the Holy Spirit to intercede through him. And in two days' time, a man came to him and said, I want to buy your house. And so it was just another day or two or something, and they set up the closing, and they were sitting at the closing table, and this guy looked at him and he says, you aren't going to believe this. But he says, two years ago, the very first day you put that sign in your yard for sale by owner, I told my wife, that's our house. And he says, I have been trying for two years to buy your house, but I had a house that had to sell and I have been, he says, I've been supernaturally hindered. Things have happened that shouldn't have happened, but he says, all of these things, and I had just nearly given up. And he says, the strangest thing, two days ago, 
All of a sudden, the guy that had been trying to buy my house that had been hindered and his loans wouldn't go through and he had a house and it was like a domino effect. He said, he came to me two days ago with all of the money and we closed on my house. And he says, here I am. And he says, I've been trying to buy this thing for two years. Did you know God had spoken to somebody already, but Satan was hindering through people. And Bob's mistake was that every day he was getting up and saying, God, sell my house. And when he didn't get it sold that day, he'd go back the next day and say, God, I don't know why you didn't answer it yesterday, but maybe today you'll answer my prayer and you'll sell the house. See, he was undoing his prayer. He was getting out of faith and actually canceling out his prayer because he didn't believe God had done anything because he didn't have a signed contract yet. The truth is God was moving. God was speaking to people. I gave this testimony one time and a woman in Colorado Springs, she decided she'd do this and she did the exact same thing. In two days, she sold her house for more than what she was asking for and it had been on the market for four years and she got it sold. It's a principle that works. I remember a time when Jamie and I were struggling financially and we had to have rent and it was three and a half weeks late. And I had to write a note to my landlady and I said, I'm sorry, I'm not dodging you. I just don't have it. But I promise you I'll make it good if I have to do whatever. I told her my wife's blood's worth $150 a pint. We'll pay it somehow or another, amen. <laughs> that was a long time ago. She's got negative blood. So anyway, uh, I had to tell my landlord and she got, she wrote me a letter, some Christian you are, some minister. You said you'd pay rent. You haven't done it. You're a liar. You're a thief. You're a crook. And man, I was dealing with all of these thoughts of not representing the Lord. And I had done everything I knew to do. And anyway, a woman called up and wanted to meet us. She was headed down the road and she was passing through the town we were in and she wanted to meet us. And so Jamie and I went out and praise God, she bought us a meal. First time we had eaten in over a week. We didn't have any money and we were eating and just, you know, praising God that we finally got some food. And she looked at us and she said, Andy, she says, God told me four weeks ago to give you this and she said, but this is the first time I've ever given money to any place except my local church. And she says, I just wasn't sure this was God. And she says, I just can't get it out of my mind. And she says, finally, I'll give it to you. And it was to the exact penny what we had been praying for. And God told her three days before our rent was due. And somebody said, well, why didn't God just speak to somebody else or something? God wanted to bless that woman. Maybe there wasn't very many people that were listening. I don't know. But anyway, God, God was faithful. God spoke, but it took four and a half weeks, not because God didn't move, but because he had to flow through people. The next time I needed my rent done, I, you know, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but praise God, my lightning fast mind caught on after that. And when I was short on money, and I needed my rent instead of going three and a half weeks late. I said, Father, I know you've spoken to somebody already. You've already spoken to them. And so I was painting uh, a bay window at my mother's house and I was just started praying and I started speaking and saying in the name of Jesus, whoever you've spoken to, however this money is coming, I command it to be released. I command them to respond and for this money to come forth. And I started interceding and not begging God. I believed God had already done it. I believed I received when I prayed. But I was just praying for whatever was stopping the, the supply, whatever was clogging up the pipe to get out of the way. And did you know while I was praying, my mother called and she was a teacher and she had been out at one of the schools and one of my old school teachers from a long, long time ago was asking her about what I was doing. And my mother says, well, he's at my house right now painting Bay Wind and, and this lady says, could you have him come eat, go out to eat with me? She wanted to visit and we went out to eat and she says, I've been looking for you for two months and she handed me $400. Our rent was only $100. She said, handed me $400.
And it, she'd been waiting for a couple of months and she didn't know how to get a hold of me. And that very day, the very moment that I was praying, my mother had just happened to meet this woman and all of these things came together. I know some of you don't believe this, but I'm telling you, this is how it works. Anything that you've prayed for that is according to the Word of God, anything godly, God has answered your prayer. God has moved. But you've got to believe that it happens the moment you pray. And it may not manifest instantly because sometimes there's just time. Sometimes there's people involved. Sometimes there's demons involved. There's many things that can affect the timing of it, but you've got to believe that God answered your prayer, that God released it, that you have it in the spirit realm. And if you believe that you receive when you pray, then the scripture says, Mark 11:24, you shall have it. You got to believe present tense and then future tense, you shall see it. If you can believe that you've got it now. If you can believe that something exists that you can't see, taste, hear, smell, or feel, that you've got it, then eventually that thing will come to pass. Now, there's a couple other things I want to say about this before I quit. One of them is that with Daniel, he didn't have authority over the devil. In the Old Testament, there's only 15 mentions of the devil in all of the Old Testament. Twelve of those are in the book of, of um, Job. And Job didn't know what was going on until this writer wrote about it. People in the Old Testament didn't have a revelation of the devil, and the reason for it is because they didn't have any authority over him. It wouldn't have done any good to know that there was a devil and demons because they couldn't do anything about it. They couldn't rebuke the devil. That only comes through Jesus. And yet in the New Testament, there are more than 15 instances of the devil in some chapters of the New Testament. We have a revelation of the devil that they didn't have. And the reason is because they didn't have authority over the devil. So all they could do was just do the right thing and hold on. And if the devil was fighting them, they just had to keep standing and keep standing and keep standing and the scripture says that like when Jesus was tempted by the devil, it says when he ended all of the temptation, he departed from Jesus for a season. Satan doesn't have a limitless back of tricks. He's limited in what he can do. He really can only afflict you in, in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. And so there was three temptations to Jesus. There was three things in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Satan does not have a limitless bag of tricks. He can only do so much. And if you just stand and stand and stand after he beats you up and you're bloody, you win by default. He just threw everything he had at you and you're still standing and he has to leave for a season. So in a sense, that's what Daniel did. When Daniel experienced this demonic power, all he did was just keep believing God and keep believing God. And he stood there for 21 days fasting and praying. And after 21 days, the devil threw everything he had and the messenger broke through and his answer came. But as New Testament believers, we aren't like Daniel. We have authority that he didn't have and we now know about the devil. And if you could take what I've talked about tonight and say that I know I received when I prayed. God gave it to me. It's not God that didn't give. It's either me that is struggling to believe or it's other people involved in my answer to prayer or there's some things like ministry. You can't just sit there and say, well, God called me into the ministry and so right now I want a church of 10,000 people. You got to grow. You, you, it takes time. There's some things that you have to mature in and then there's some things that are demonic. And uh, you've got to be able to discern what it is that is hindering it, but you've got to believe that you received when you pray. If the devil is the hindrance, you can stop the devil. You can rebuke the devil. You can get into prayer and you can start binding the demonic power that is keeping that thing from manifesting and you don't have to go for 21 days the way Daniel did. You can shorten the period of time in between when you say amen and there it is. In most cases, it's up to you. But most Christians, they don't have this knowledge that we're talking about and so they pray 
and then they're just trying to hold on. God, I'm trying to keep standing and believing that I'm healed, and yet the doctor keeps saying I'm sick, my body hurts, everything else, and, and you stand for a while and try to ignore it. You know, there's people that if they have a growth on their arm or something, they'll just stick it behind their back and refuse to look at it and try and forget it. Well, that's more faith than looking at it and saying, well, it didn't work. But you know what the greatest amount of faith is? Is to, I did this one time. I had a ganglion cyst right here on my arm and I wore a watch band that was one of those flexible watch bands and I put it over that thing so that other people couldn't see it. And eventually that thing grew so big that it was making my watch band stand up. And I was praying for some other people to be healed, applying this exact principle that I was teaching and all of a sudden it just dawned on me, why don't I do that with that cyst? And so what I did, I prayed and believed that I received when I prayed and then I immediately looked at it. Now, if you look at your problem and it makes you say, well, it didn't work, then that's not good. You'd be better to stick it behind your back and ignore it. But if you understand what I'm talking about, you can look at it and say, Father, I know that you did this. I know that I've got it. Now, has it manifested? Has the flesh responded? And if it hasn't, instead of doubting that God did it, you just say there's a hindrance somewhere. And in this place, it, the hindrance was with me. The hindrance was with me just believing that this thing could just be gone. And so what I began to do, I began to walk and pray and look at this thing. And I prayed in tongues for about two or three hours and got to rebuking it and rebuking my unbelief. The Bible says you build up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude chapter 1, verse 20. And I was just praying in tongues and I did that for a couple of hours. Didn't see a single thing happen. Went to bed and when I got up in the morning, that thing was gone. It's never come back. And you know what? I, I could have just believed God and have struggled through, but I, I can shorten that manifestation period of time. I can make things manifest. Amen? Amen. You can command the devil to get out of the way. Now, when it's people, you can bind the demonic things that are holding those people back, but then you still have to deal with people. God is not going to force them. If they're willing, but it's just the devil that's hindering them, you can break the devil's thing, but you can't change the will of that person. You can influence them, but you can't just change them. And there's some things, again, that have to do with maturity. Uh, the scripture talks about that there is a time of seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping, and it takes a period of time. Once you start sowing and giving and believing God for finances, it takes a while for that prosperity to manifest. But with many things, there's no hindrance. It's just a matter of we've got to take our authority and begin to start speaking and commanding what we believe God has already given us in the spirit to come into physical manifestation. Man, I just pray that you got what I talked about tonight. This is different than the way most people think. But if you could understand what we're talking about, I tell you what, this would radically change the way you pray. You only ask God for something one time. Well, let me rephrase that. You only ask for healing like one time. There's some things that it's appropriate to continually be a living sacrifice and say, God, I want to surrender myself and I ask you to help me today to be conformed to you and that has to be an ongoing process. But healing or something, you just ask for it one time, but then you should still pray about it constantly, but don't pray a prayer of petition. That would void your first prayer. But instead, you pray now a prayer of praise because praise is strength to still the enemy and the avenger and stop him in his tracks. It also builds you up and it helps you. You can pray a prayer of speaking in tongues because you build up yourself on your most holy faith. You can pray a prayer of, you know, agreement and get somebody to agree with you. You don't doubt that when God, when you asked, God gave, but obviously something is keeping it from manifesting, so go and get some agreement from somebody. There's things that you can do to keep praying, but you don't keep asking for something over and over and over because if you ask for it multiple times, then one of those times you didn't believe you had it or you wouldn't have asked for it. If you really believe that you receive, when you pray, quit asking for it. 
And instead, start taking your authority and say, Father, you've done it. I've got it. I don't know where it is, but I got it. Amen. I'm not sure how to get it manifest, but I know I've got it. And if you get that attitude and just get determined, even an old blind uh, squirrel will get a nut every once in a while if he just keeps going. You know what? Even if you don't know what's going on, but you just, I know I've got it, you will eventually stumble across it. You know, Jamie and I learned this, I don't know, 40 years ago or something like that. And we started praying for people and I'd never heard of Copenhagen, Copeland and Hagen. I'd never had heard of faith. I didn't know anything. I didn't know any of this stuff. But I just knew that God said, if I asked, I received. And I didn't understand any of the things I've taught you tonight, but I knew that God had answered my prayer. And I started praying for everything that moved. I started praying for blind eyes. And I started seeing blind eyes open, deaf ears open. People come out of wheelchairs. Miracles happen. And I didn't even really know what I was doing, but I just knew that if I asked, I received. Now, I get better results now than I used to back then, but it was really the same principle. And now that you know more, it's like, uh, when you know more, it's like the difference between digging for gold in your backyard with a huge old bulldozer or a scoop, you know, a huge scoop. Man, I got to drive one of these D9 bulldozers. Man, you could dig up a thing the, air, the size of this room in just a few minutes with one of those things. Those are awesome. If you have this equipment, it just helps you to get it quicker. But you know what? If you knew that you had gold in your backyard, you could get it with a spoon if you just kept with it. It'd be more effort. And if you don't know very much, then it may be more effort. But you know what? If you just got this one truth that God, when you ask, you receive. Everyone that asks receives. God gave. And you've got to believe that you receive when you pray. Not when you see it, but when you pray. Amen. And if you'll believe you've got it now, then you will see it eventually. And if you understood this, there's other things you need to know, but I guarantee you this would start seeing, you would start seeing miracles take place in your life if you really believe this and you took your position of authority and begin to start commanding instead of begging God over and over and over to do stuff. Amen or oh me. And this ought to help you. Praise God. You know, this lends itself to many, many, many different invitations because there's just so many misconceptions about God. You know, for time's sake tonight, I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, ministering on this, but if you're one that you feel like God failed you, you prayed for somebody and they died, you prayed for a marriage and it didn't work, you prayed for a business and it didn't work or something and you feel like God let you down, one of the positive responses to what I've said tonight is you need to recognize God didn't fail you. God answered your prayer for some reason or another. You just were dominated by what you saw and because you didn't see it, you gave up, you quit, you got into unbelief, and the moment you did, you turned off the spigot. You stopped the flow of what was in the spiritual realm flowing into the physical realm. And instead of being mad at God, you need to repent. And you need to say, Romans 3, 4, God, you're true and every man's alive. My circumstances are alive. I don't, I'm not going to interpret the word by my circumstances, but I'm going to interpret my circumstances by the word. You need to repent of that and you need to humble yourself and go back and establish your confidence and faith in the Lord and his integrity. God has never, ever, 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 ever lied to a single person. He's never failed to do what he promised he would do. It's us that fail to believe and we get moved by what we see instead of by what we believe. So if you're in that category, you need to repent of that tonight. You need to get that right. And then there's others in here that you're praying for something right now, and this could help you. I, I really believe that there's people in here that you're praying for something that involves other people. And you've just been praying as if other people aren't involved, like your employer or your mate or your children or people in your church or whatever, and you're just praying for some desired result and you're trying to get God to force people to do what you want them to do. God's not like that. You need to humble yourself and you need to just uh, go to praying and interceding that God will touch these people's hearts. 
And here's one, one other thing, that when you're praying for another person, you do pray that over and over. You know why? Because you pray for them. God answers your prayer, touches them, but then they reject it. And so you got to ask again because they've rejected. They canceled your prayer, so you have to pray it over and over and over again when you're interceding for another person. It's different than when you intercede for yourself. But anyway, there's just a lot of things, and I pray that the Holy Spirit's helping you to apply this to your situation, and praise God, this ought to encourage you to get in and, and keep standing and believing and not give up. Amen. Father, I pray for every person in here right now and I pray that the Holy Spirit would take these things that I've spoken about and that you would give direct application to our situation. People that have been discouraged that because they couldn't see something, they didn't believe you had moved. Father, I pray that you'd help them to understand this spiritual realm and understand that you are a spirit and that you've already moved, you've already sent your answer and there's some other reason. You are not the variable, you are faithful. We just proclaim our faith in you that you've answered every prayer that we've ever prayed that's according to your word. Thank you that we have the petitions that we've desired of you and we put ourselves in agreement with each other and we command the demonic hindrances, the demonic spirits that are hindering through other people or through our own problems or whatever. We just stand against you, Satan, and command you to loose us, loose these answers. We say that you do not have the right and we will not allow you to continue to hinder and delay the things of God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray that those things are gone and we pray that you speak to people's hearts if they're involved in our answer to prayer. Father, I pray that you quicken faith in people, that we would stand and take our authority and speak to the problem instead of begging you to do it. Take, believe that you've already done it and then stand and release this power and authority. And Father, we believe for miracles in this place right now. Father, I believe that people's prayers are being answered. Thank you, Jesus. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people just like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. You can call our helpline at 719-635-1111. Or you can write us at Post Office Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80934. Remember... You can always listen to Andrew's messages at awmi.net. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.